Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Warning. The following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I'm here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hello. Hello. And today we are bringing you the awaited part two into the Israel Keys case. But before we dive into that clusterfuck, oh, I cussed and I shouldn't have because we had two reviews complaining about that. We're marked explicit for a reason. Just saying. I'm just going to say it. We're not everybody's cup of tea and exactly. I am not going to steep myself differently for your taste buds. Yes. But one of them was semi-nice because they gave us still three stars. The other one, of course, was one. But anyways, if you love us, that's a good segue. Please leave us five stars on whatever app it is you are listening to. If you are new here and you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at Three Spooked Girls. We also have our amazing Facebook group that is Three Spooked Girls Official. We got book club. We got gift exchanges a couple times a year. All kinds of cool stuff. So definitely go there and check that out. We also have the Spookster Shop, which Jessica, oh my God, you guys, I cannot fucking wait for you to see the Papa Joe shirt she is making right now. I am buying it in like three different styles, I swear. I'm very (laughs) obsessed. I'm very obsessed. (laughs) I might actually just release that. Yep, that's I don't I'm nothing else is going to be ready. I'm just going to release that one. No, shirt. that's fine. Just that one because I need it. I need yeah. it in my life. I love it so it's much. Brilliant. <laughs> oh gosh. 
you can find our merch on our site and all that stuff, but just post it over in the group first. And I also do crystals and tarot readings, and she does blind date books. We have all kinds of cool stuff over there that we do sporadically just because it's, you know, extra interest we have. So why Mm -hmm. not? Why not? And if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month. Five and up starts ad-free episodes, which currently when I uploaded one yesterday, a couple days ago, there's like almost 150 ad-free episodes on there. So there's those. They are the same here. But you do also get them a day early, which, you know, I always like stuff early because I feel like a cool kid. But, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) It's true. And then if you are on any other platform, so TikTok, you can find me there. My handle is at spooky underscore sleuth. I also have YouTube and Twitch with the same names. That's going to be untrue crime related more than likely because I think this is going to be like the fun project. Well, one thing, me and Jessica have talked off recording fun stuff that I can't reveal at this moment. (laughs) You guys can't see, but I'm doing the Hercules, Hercules. Yes, yes. Jessica will be joining me for certain things. It will be so great. But yeah. It sounded so... Oh, not... Well, I mean, it kind of fits for what's happening, but like, not like that. No, I meant it just sounds so like mysterious. It's like, oh, Duh, because we we got to plan this out a little bit more. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> but yeah, so we have some little fun stuff coming that will be... I think it'll be a really good time. I think it's going to be fun and it's much needed. But anyways, all right. Well, enough rambling. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Jess. And she is going to continue on with this piece of shit. Yes. So where we found where we left off was that they had just found Samantha's body. And I mean, it's very gruesome how he disposed Mm -hmm. of it. If you haven't listened, listen to part one. Yeah. And this was kind of the time where the FBI was like reaching out to James, who is her dad, and was telling him Mm -hmm. like, you need to grieve. Like you need to, because he was like, I need to know what the fuck happened to my kid. And they Mm -hmm. were like, no, you don't. You don't need to know what happened. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know if like, I understand the need to know things because I'm a very, like, that's who I am as a person. Like, I have to know. Tara knows this. And I don't know if it bugs her, but like. (laughs) no but i'm that person who's like i need to ask a million questions to understand something Mm -hmm. when it's a foreign concept to me and i could understand like how this would be such a foreign concept to a parent their child is murdered like how do you even fathom that so he was asking and they were like the fbi agents were like no no just go about your business and grieve type situation Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm But it kind of made them pivot because now they have him in custody. They've taken him from Texas back to Anchorage. And they're like, okay, who the fuck is Israel Keys? Right. Because that's the biggest question. And Mm -hmm. how do I connect him to the murders? Yeah. That's to me like the biggest puzzle piece that they have to fit. Obviously, we know he admits to this, but how many Mm -hmm. times have we seen people admit things to the police? And then when they get to trial, they say like, oh, I felt pressured. Oh, I felt like they forced me to do this. And Mm -hmm. they recant their statement. And and people can recant recant their statement from the police. Like they can change what they say. 
Mm-hmm. A big misconception is when you're talking to the police that you're under oath, you're not under oath. You're not right. supposed to lie. In some in some areas, you can be charged with, like, extra counts of lying to a police officer. But, like, when it's mm-hmm. murder, it's not that big of a deal. The whole lying to a police officer isn't a big deal. Right. That's, like, yeah. The smallest of peanuts. Mm-hmm. So, it's 2012. So, we're talking, like, kind of the peak of, like, the boom of technical craziness. Like... I actually sat back and thought about this when I was doing my notes. In 2012, we were introducing the iPhone 4. Right. And I have an old (laughs) iPhone and it's a 12. (laughs) So like when you really think about the progression of like technology, like a three was out at this point. Yeah. Oh my God. Sometimes it helps me to put things in more of like a cultural perspective. Like Mm -hmm. this is why a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I was 12 when this happened or like I was blah, blah, blah. Like that's kind of how I can timeline it. Mm -hmm. So computers are really big. Laptops are really big. Wi-Fi is, you know, people are still charging for that shit at places. (laughs) And (laughs) basically there was not a TikTok in sight. (laughs) <laughs> no was was vine a thing at that time i think vine came out in like 2015 2016 oh, oh okay so yeah not even vine youtube was still in its infancy mm-hmm. yeah snapchat was becoming a thing uh, mm-hmm. instagram had been around for just a minute god What a weird time what a weird time so this is <laughs> think about like a digital footprint and yeah. people didn't understand, like, Israel did. He understood the whole tower pinging thing. And I think that has more to do with, like, his conspiracy theorism than anything. Mm-hmm. So they have two computers they need to go to. The first one is a laptop, and then there's a tower. So they take the laptops from the key, from Key's home. They go and they get all the information about his, like, travel travel receipts to verify Mm -hmm. his plans of traveling around the time of Samantha's disappearance and around like when he was abducted or not abducted when he was detained. Mm -hmm. The one misnomer is that people think that data like digital data is super easy to get quickly Mm -hmm. and it was going to take a long time. And especially because like this is Alaska and like a lot of places are rural and mm-hmm. he drove a lot of places, so, like, he could be driving through rural areas, which we kind of know he does. So, right. there was no Penelope Garcia with a super brain and a supercomputer to, like, make this go any faster. Okay, on March 15th, which was two days after Keyes is arrested in Texas, in Alaska, and kind of nationwide, because this story had caught national news. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They had put out the number for a tip line. This number for the tip line actually resulted in in things. And I'm going to talk about one lady. And then, Tara, I'd like you to kind of like shadow because not shadow, but like kind of talk about like you have a friend who in, encountered him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Heather Andrews had hired Keys. He had met she had met him through a mutual friend of him and Kimberly's. So there's already a sense of trust there. And she like hired him. Mm-hmm. And she hired him several times, and a lot of times he would work for her in the summer. And when he would go to work for her in the summer, he would bring his daughter. 
And she described Keys and his daughter's relationship as adorable, like, you know, the like way they, normal dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. like people kind of described him as a good dad. Mm. And she had gotten to kind of know him and talk. And basically, he had kind of told her, like, I grew up in a commune type situation. And he had told her, quote, religion poisons people. And he talked about that aspect of his life with, with Heather. And then she asked him about, like, his daughter's mom. And he was even like, yeah, I got custody because she had severe substance abuse issues. And so, like, you know, Heather just kind of was, like, went about her day. And she said that he worked alone. He never hired extra help. A quote from the book says, He's as strong as a bull. He could carry a beam over his shoulder without apparent effort. He had strength that had elegance. It seemed superhuman. Because he basically becomes like an ambush predator. He's really strong and puts into perspective. She said that there is two incidences that kind of worried her with him. She called him Izzy. One time she was like outside or he was doing something and she looks at him and he looks at her and she says she thought Keys was giving her a look that leveled her. So like I take that to be like, Something that would, like, severely, like, knock you back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just freak you out. Yeah. Yeah. And the last interaction that Because basically at that point, she just kind of, like, played it off. You know how when we do things, like, Tara knows this because I text her all the time that I, like, think of scenarios in my head. Like, if someone's mad at me, they're, like, glaring at me. And really, it's, like, they're <laughs> squinting because of the sun, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, I could understand where maybe she was thinking that. Like, oh. Right oh no, like, this isn't, this isn't, it's in my head. But then the last one was about a week before he took Samantha. He was supposed to do work for her, and he didn't show up, which was very unusual. And so she went over to his Mm -hmm. house and knocked for a while, and he finally answered, and she said it was nine in the morning. So it's like, typically, if you see someone at nine in the morning, they're probably, like, well-rested, because the day hasn't gone on. Yeah. But she said he smelled of alcohol, he was disheveled, and his eyes were hollow. And she said she had never seen him be, like, not composed before. So she asked him, like, is everything okay? Can I help you with anything? And he said to her, no, I'm okay. It's just the Alaska winters. They've got me down. Which is normal. I've been to Alaska in the summer. Like, I am positive (laughs) that. And Tyra's up there in the winter. I know that seasonal depression is a thing. Oh, for sure. We now know that that's not what he had. Mm -mm. He had, I haven't killed somebody in a minute, depression. So that was like tips. And your friend had something similar like that happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He went to do, she said he went to do like a deck estimate at their house. And she was like 16. She was a teenager at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was something like, he asked for a beer or they offered him a beer or something, which whatever. And she said she went to her mom and was just like, don't hire him. He gives me some bad vibes. Like nothing obviously happened, but like, yeah, just bad, bad, bad. And then it ended up, you know, not working out because I think like it was out of budget or something. Mm -hmm. They went with a different option for whatever housework they had to do. But I'm just like, oh, my God, this dude was at your house and you literally talked to him. 
I mean, I think, think about Jesus. all of the people who hired him just sitting there one day and clicking on the news. Mm-hmm. And the dude who, like, who built their deck is on the news because he's killed a girl, a local girl. And then they start talking about how this is probably not his first murder. Yeah. Obviously. Especially, like, the authorities that know the details. There's no way. Yeah. Right. So there was more tips that came in on this line. Another one that they found was helpful was somebody found a Facebook page that had pictures that looked like him. Yeah. They was never fully confirmed if it was him or not, but they were, like, of his military. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, an, an alias. Mm-hmm. This is the one that creeps me. Like, there's another one that creeps me out a lot, but this one creeps me out, too. And that is that on the local news, KTV, it's KTVA's CBS News that was, like, in Anchorage. You know, like, the website will have, a like, a video and they'll have an article attached to it. So on mm-hmm. that page, someone with the name of Israel uploaded mm. a five-page response. Holy fuck. And he, he did it. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody else is going to be that passionate about him. <laughs> no, no. And, it, it, and the thing was, it was about Samantha. Oh, It was, like, when they what were... A sick fuck. Right. He also, one of the other things that he did is, or someone said from the tip line, was that they saw his white, a white pickup, which he had a mm-hmm. white Ford pickup. As we know, yes. And on the side of it, there was painted the words Keys Construction, and there were three signs that were attached to it. And it was, the truck was seen both in Wasilla and in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. And... The signs were like the one that James had on his track in his car that was like kidnapped $41,000 reward Samantha Koenig. So people were saying that Israel Keys was driving around with signs to find to find her. I hate him so fucking much. Jesus. Like, bro, you know where she's at. Exactly. Oh, my God. Another tip said that in Utah. Someone who identified themselves as Israel had contacted a local news site to post a gun to sell it for $350, which was, it was a Glock 27. And apparently this particular gun is worth a lot more. And so this kind of makes me think like maybe when he took it with him from Alaska, Mm -hmm. his guns from Alaska, and, and this was when he was going to be like driving it was around the time he was arrested, so like he would be driving back from Texas with it. Gotcha. Yeah. This and is we true. all and like we'll come to find out, like we know that Israel like likes to drive, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the kind of the last tip that makes me go, "Oh my god, this dude is crazy," <laughs> is kind of shows you where his upbringing is. Is basically someone called and said that his sister was an Amish woman, and she lived in a community in Maine. And that his parents had been a part of it. And and then one more tip, I should say, is that someone called in to talk about Heidi. Heidi is his mom. I don't know if you introduced her last time. I don't recall. I did. Especially when they asked about when they were still looking for her. And she was all fucking weird. Well, she's going to get a little weirder. Mm. So this is kind of like perfect. I feel like the world came together for this for us like the universe was like this is when you needed to do israel because we just redid waco yes in wells texas there is a church and this particular church the members of this church or group are called 
Koreshians, as in they are followers of David Koresh. And mm. Heidi is a member of this church. And by proxy, I guess Israel was too. I don't like that at all. So we have the, like, we just been talking about David Koresh. We mm. haven't even, like, filmed or we haven't even recorded the last episode of Waco yet, guys. And I'm like, oh my God, which comes out Thursday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, like, this is so, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, the fact that he's connected to David Koresh, like, not like he's connected to David Koresh, like, he knew him, but just connected to like followers. Six which, degrees. by the way, I'm very surprised Kathy isn't part of this church. Right. Just saying. That bitch is nuts. Yeah. And apparently they're just as gun violently crazy. Like they mm-hmm. go and terrorize this town and like they'll go into church, other churches and what the fuck? they'll yell at them, you're all going to hell. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. So now basically. They've gotten all these tips. They're trying to figure out who he is. So we know that his sister lives in Maine, that she's extremely religious. We know that he had kind of a fundamentalist white supremacy upbringing. His mom is a real wonderful human, like Tara mentioned. Hmm. But they needed to look, start looking at things concrete, which is his computer. And when they were looking at those type of things, they were like, okay. They asked Keys about it, and Keys goes, well, the laptop is mine and the tower is Kimberly's. And they're like, okay. And he's like, and there used to be another laptop. But right before I took Samantha, I like smashed it up and threw it in the landfill. And of course, they go looking in the landfill to try to find it and they can't find it mm-hmm. because it's a computer. And I'm assuming Alaska recycles. <laughs> mm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Yeah. So then they, they go through his stuff and they're kind of like, okay, what is this going to really bring? And they, they're also going through Kimberly's computer at the same time and they don't think they're going to get anything. And they find out a shit ton from Kimberly's computer because you're going to learn that he loved countermeasures. Mm-hmm. And so I think he thought if I store shit on Kim's computer, they might not look for it. They found some hidden files, and when they looked inside of them, hundreds of pictures of men, women, and children, all ages, all races, all over the country pop up. If I was an investigator, I'd be like, the fuck? Are these all his victims? Like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And they're like, maybe he just is looking at missing people, because they also like would find in this, they'd find missing persons flyers in these files Mm -hmm. as well. And a lot of the pictures were the people in them. And then as they're looking through, they find pictures of Samantha on the computer. And the question is, did he stalk her because he saw her and went, I want her? Or did he pick the location and then pick her because she worked alone a lot? We're not sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And because they had all of these questions, they really needed keys to like fill in the gaps because they brought in a, you know, a digital profiler and they started looking through the hundreds of photos, but they have to cross reference that stuff. Yeah. And they did for the most part. And they, they knew his whereabouts were at least in Washington, Texas, and Utah. And so they were like, okay, we're going to start here. 
And they go to Keys and they're like, okay, you kind of need to tell us like what the fuck is happening. Like, come on, dude, tell us. And if you remember Tara told us in the last episode, he was like, I don't want the death penalty. I don't want it. I, you know, that's mm-hmm. off the table. I'll help you, but it's off the table. However, we're about to hear a different tune from Israel Keys. Basically, they started looking at these maps. And if you want a really good map, there's this guy, I think it's a podcast. He's got a lot of social and it's called True Crime Bullshit. And he does mm-hmm. maps of this, of like all over the supposed kills of mm-hmm. Israel Keys. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I would definitely take a look at it because I can't do it justice. So they're like, okay, dude, what do you want? Literally, Feldus, who's one of the FBI agents, is like, Mm -hmm. tell me, he literally says, tell me what you want, because I don't know what you want. And Keyes goes, I want an execution date. Yep. (laughs) The book says that the room fell silent. And (laughs) they actually had to be like, for you? I mean, (laughs) we must clarify. Yeah, no kidding. Keyes said, yes, I want this whole thing wrapped up and over with as soon as possible. I mean, I could end up in a federal supermax prison somewhere for the rest of my life, which if my attorney has his way, is where he wants me to go. And that's not what I want. And his attorney was a man by the name of Rich Kurtner. And he was the federal public defender for the state of Alaska. So he's kind of a big deal in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And he was very much like, anti-death penalty and that makes sense like if you're a defense Mm -hmm. attorney it'd probably be a little weird to be like old sparky it please Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then keys was like if you help me with this i want this whole thing done in a year from today so it was like i don't remember the exact date but it was like maybe like april 5th or something at this point he's like i want to it basically be done his quote is i want this done in a year from today, start to finish, basically, I'll tell you, I'll tell you everything. I'll give you, plead guilty to whatever, give you every single gory detail you want. But that's what I want. And he basically stated that the reason he was doing it is because he didn't want his kid to like, he didn't want his kid to have to relive it over and over again in mm. the media, which is, yeah, the guy was a total just piece of trash, but at least he was kind of looking out for his kid in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of what it was. He also had a few other demands. Every day he wanted a cigar that he was interviewing. I don't mean like in the jail. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like defending him. I think he's dead and he's a piece of shit. <laughs> but he wanted a cigar. He wanted a New York Times. He wanted internet access. He wanted them to bring him Americanos from Starbucks, Mm -hmm. and he wanted candy bars. I mean, if you're ever in a position in your life where you're like, people need information from you, they're going to give you the shit you want. Yeah, and he knew that. And he did. And they were like, okay, we will get your... Because the only way really what was going to happen is they had to get his lawyer fired. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, we'll help with that we'll get the judge to let because the judge has to sign off on that shit right they're like we'll help with that and he's like okay then he literally was like okay i'll give you two bodies and a name and that's going to take us to our there's only been for israel keys there's suspected like 12 Mm -hmm. but 
And I mean, actually, like, if you look at, if you look at True Crime Bullshit's map, it's like, so much more. But confirmed, Israel Keys has said, I killed these people, are three people. And we know Samantha Koenig is one of them. And then the mm-hmm. other two will be Bill and Lorraine Courier. Mm-hmm. They were in their 50s. They lived in the Burlington, Vermont area. And they were just kind of like a regular couple. They were cute. There was like, I'm, I remember seeing the picture of the two of them. And they just look like kind of everybody's aunt and uncle that you like, you're the ones yeah. you like. Yeah. Basically how he had gotten there is that he flew to Seattle and then to Chicago. And then he drove all the way from like Chicago to all the way to Vermont. He mm. made stops along the way. He went to, he was in Indiana for a couple of days. So they're like, you know, potentially there's victims there. Mm -hmm. And he went, he has some property in upstate New York that he owned. So he was going there. And I think he was going to go visit his sister in Maine. I think that's kind of the trajectory of his trip. And this happened in June of 2011. So the night that we need to talk about is June 2nd, 2011. Basically, Keyes was in this town of Sussex, and he was like, I want to kill somebody. He That day, he went to Home Depot, and he like went shopping. He went fishing. He went out and got one of his caches. You know, his, like, we talked about his kill kits, which he calls caches. It's a five-gallon Home Depot bucket that's filled. This one that he talks about had zip ties, ammunition, guns, a silencer, duct tape, Drano in it and like i think maybe some other things that were there at home depot he had bought a like little portable stove and so he was just like he went back to his hotel and he decided to go wander around he'd left his phone and he took the battery out of it just so that you know nothing could really trace him and so this is what's weird is he he tells this story and according to the detectives and according to the author Basically, his voice drops a couple octaves when he starts telling the story, and his voice oh. starts trembling. Interesting. Because he's excited. Yeah. Which is creepy and gross. That is disgusting. He said he was. it had been raining that day, and so he was like, it was raining when this happened. And he said across the ho- from the hotel was an apartment complex and so he went and was like walking through there and he was like he wanted it he knew he wanted a couple but he would be okay with just a guy he basically saw this vw bug like a new one pull in and this guy gets out and he starts walking towards him and the dude has like newspaper up like a to shield himself and he Mm -hmm. was running and keys says and this is a quote And he almost, he almost got it that night. If he had been five seconds slower, getting out of his car and going into his apartment, he would have been the one that night. Oh my God. If you live in Sussex, Maine in 2011, and it was raining on June 2nd, and you drive a yellow VW bug, you survived. Yeah. scary. Uh Uh-huh. So then he starts... He goes back to the hotel and he spends some time and then he goes out and he's like, okay, I really want a couple. This is what he's like thinking in his head. And so he starts surveillance. He's walking through neighborhoods and he's doing surveillance and he looks for houses in like 
He looks for nice houses, but he looks for nothing in the yard to be a kid or a dog. So no toys, no bikes, nothing like that. And of course, he doesn't want a dog because those cause a ruckus. And then he finds one. It's 8 Colbert Street, and it's the, the owners are the couriers. He kind of stakes it out. He cuts the phone line so that the alarm, if there is an alarm, it won't go off. Also, because of the fact that he's in construction, he can kind of predict how houses look. So he goes for easier looking houses. And he finds his house and he basically stands outside and waits for like almost like an hour and a half. Mm. Basically, a neighbor had come out to like smoke and like let his dog out and he was smoking like a cigar. And so he was out there for a bit. And Keys was smoking as well, which is to me mind blowing because He doesn't know the couriers. Like, let's say that Bill Courier doesn't smoke or Lorraine doesn't smoke. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're a neighbor and you're sitting there and you see this person, like you see someone dragging on a cigarette because you can see the embers light up. And he describes watching the other guy as it was blinking like a Christmas light. And so, like, Mm -hmm. if he can see his cigar, the dude can see his cigarette. And... Someone could have just been like, hey, there's a dude hanging outside this house. Like, that could have been real, real bad. How he gets in is he goes around to the garage and he sees like a vent, like a vent cap on a window and he pops it out and he climbs through and he unlocks the back door so he can go in and out as he pleases after this. And then he gets a crowbar. So he knows it's a couple. He knows a guy lives here. He basically... Jimmy's opened the screen door. He said it wasn't great quality. He opens it up. He was going to use the crowbar to like pop open the door, but he said that makes like a louder sound than just breaking a little window. So he broke a window and unlocked the door. He steps inside. So this is what he has on. He's wearing all black, right? He Mm. has a headlamp on and it's not turned on. Mm. And he's wearing leather baseball batting gloves. So he's completely covered from head to toe. And mind you, Israel Keys doesn't have short hair. He has like shoulder lengthy hair. Mm-hmm. Or maybe shaggy. a little. Yeah. So he, you know, he's got that all tied up. He's, he's got a hat on. He's got all this stuff. And so basically at this point, he stands there. And from the time this all happens that he gets inside, gets situated, it's six seconds. Six seconds. Holy he shit. He bursts in goes down the hall to their bedroom and he kind of knows it because like they have a like a wall unit mm-hmm. and it's on a bedroom and most most of the time if you have a wall unit in a bedroom that's probably your master bedroom right. and so he breaks in and he kind of just attacks he is completely in ambush so he ambushes them it's like two in the morning so it's got to be super disorientating to mm-hmm. like be this jarred awake and whatnot And so he zip ties them. He makes them roll on their stomach. He asks them, like, do you have a gun? And they're like, yeah, Lorraine has a 38 in her nightstand. Mm -hmm. And I was like, good for Lorraine. (laughs) And so he's kind of like getting them situated. He's like, I need money. I need, do you have prescription pills? Like, what do you have? Like, that's valuable. And of course, they're trying to be like, we don't have anything. What was really weird is he noticed that Lorraine was wearing like a t-shirt and shorts and he tells the detectives and the investigators that he grabbed lingerie and when they were like, why did you do that? 
he was like, uh, I don't think I want to get into that. That was how, like, he would let shit mm-hmm. like that slip all the time. And then he would just like, oh, just kidding. Like, he would just yeah. be like, I'm not going like, to tell you why I do that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So he has their hands behind their back. And Lorraine actually tries to escape because, like, he's trying to, like, move the sheets around and stuff. And she rolls onto the floor. But he, like, pounces on her and, like, overpowers yeah. her and, mm-hmm. like, screams at her. And so he basically scares them into, like, staying. And he starts, like, ransacking their house. And this is like, the weirdest shit. He finds this, like, it's described as an electric strawberry, which it's an insignia that's an electric strawberry. And if you're in the army, it's the, Mm -hmm. it's the infantry, it's the 25th infantry symbol or division symbol. And that's the unit he served in or the division that he served in. So he kind of, like, tells Bill, like, oh, my God, like, I was also in this division. How cool is this? It's like, dude, you're abducting them. Yeah. Stop trying to bond with your it's like with your people. Stockholm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, stop it. So then he takes them out. He he puts slippers on. He makes sure that, like, they're dressed and everything. And he puts slippers on because they have to walk over the glass. And he doesn't want any DNA. And he prides himself that there's no DNA at this house. He puts Lorraine in the front seat and Bill in the back seat of their own car. They have a Saturn. And he basically tells them, like, look, I am going to... I'm going to ransom you. So I'm going to take you to this place and I'm going to leave you. And once I get the money, I'll tell people where you are. And at this point, like, I would be like, okay, what's going to happen? They drive and they find this like old farmhouse because he had staked it out and he had found this like for sale. He would find abandoned homes that were for sale because most of the time, like there was nobody in them and nobody was checking on them. So this was one of those places. He takes Bill in first and ties him up in the basement. And then he goes back for Lorraine. And Lorraine, she tried to get away again. She'd gotten up out of the car and was going to run towards the road. And the road was a fairly busy road. So if she had made it, she could have probably, like, flagged somebody down. But he tackled her. And then he drug her upstairs and, like, tied her to the bed. And at this point, he hears Bill in the basement screaming, where's my wife? Where's my wife? And this makes him mad. So he grabs a knife, his 40 caliber and a bottle of water. And they ask him about the water and he does the whole like, I don't think I want to get into that again. Weird thing. Mm -hmm. Bill at this point, because Bill's described as like a bigger guy. Like he's a big dude. Mm -hmm. He has gotten away. And this apparently pissed off Israel. So he gets a shovel and basically like rage smacks him with it a few times until Bill falls down. Hmm. In like the perfect storm of bad things happening to Israel Keys, he had had bought that portable stove and apparently there's a hole in the floor and it fell through. And so he was afraid that the stove was going to burn down the house. So he has to run upstairs, take oh, care of that, yell gosh. at Lorraine, switch out guns. He gets his 22. <sighs> Goes downstairs because he he realizes at this point in time, if he shoots the 40 caliber, it's going to be fucking loud as hell. I think it's going to boom. And at two two something in the morning, that's even in a rural, like I grew up in a rural area. Yeah. If a gun shoots off at 2.30 in the morning, people get nervous. Right. So he goes downstairs. Bill is like back up on his feet after taking a beating from that shovel. And... Israel shoots him in the head, the neck, the arms, and the chest. 
And he's actually like, the fuck is happening? Because Bill doesn't go down right away. It takes a minute. And then he finally, I, I think he died from the gunshot wounds. Mm-hmm. He was just like alive and then not alive. If that makes sense. Yeah. Bill is now dead. He's just lying on the floor. There's a lot of blood. This isn't something that Israel wanted. He goes upstairs and he begins his ritual with Lorraine. He did the same thing that he did with Samantha. He put like a paper towel in her mouth and gagged her with it. And then he would rape her twice. They would like between them, they would smoke like he did with Samantha. Mm -hmm. And the second time that and he used a condom each time because he was a freak about DNA. Mm -hmm. The second time, because he's truly a sexual sadist, while he's raping her, she passes out. Mm-hmm. Like, he basically chokes her till she passes out. Jesus. And then he waits for her to wake up, because mm-hmm. he's a crazy man, and then takes her to the basement to show her her husband, who was dead on the ground. Then he strangles her, and when she doesn't go as quickly as possible, or in his mind, he gets zip ties and basically, like... Keep squeezing until there's nothing left. Oh, yeah. So basically, at that point, he then cuts off their restraints. He drags them to a corner. He pours Drano on their face and hands. And then he just fucking grabs his shit and dips. The only thing he did forget was he forgot the bullets because he was in such a hurry. Mm -hmm. It's about at this point. He's driving into town. He does what he's done in the past, which is he goes to some place where he knows there's he's far enough away from cameras and he drops their car off at a at a Rite Aid and then just leaves. And he had the stuff that he has of theirs because he like he took shit with them. He went and buried it in a forest or in the woods in New Hampshire Mm-hmm. And he actually like he followed up on them and he he actually like drove back by at one point while they were investigating. And he said he wasn't worried because somebody had seen a picture or like someone had seen him driving their car and told the police. But like, I guess they didn't get a good look because the sketch didn't look anything like him. OK, at this point, this is like what I said. Couriers are the only ones that we know of. Now, I'm just going to, I was going to do it the book style, but that got a little convoluted with his other victims. So I went, I'm going to be honest, I went to the wiki because it was the easiest way for me to get this. So they think his first victim may have been Julie Marie Harris. She was a special Olympian, like she was a double amputee. And she'd actually won like a gold medal. Nice. In something at the Special Olympics for skiing. And they basically had interacted at a pool like one of her friends had said that she saw Israel talking to him and this happened in March of 1996 Mm -hmm. which would make him 18 and she went missing and her body wasn't found for like a month and a half later almost two months wow it was she went missing on March 2nd she was her body was found on April 26th he was questioned about her But, like, he just kind of, like, lied or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then someone had said, like, no, he he saw her. Like, they had interacted at the swimming pool. And then there was a mom and a daughter. One was 12 and one was 29. And basically, 
the mom was found. Her name was Marlene Emerson, and she was found in her burned home. And then her daughter, Cassie or Cassandra, was found a few days later, 13 miles from the home. Keyes was briefly engaged to a woman in the Colville area Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. Washington, and his fiance was like, he did it. (laughs) There was a body in Washington in Nabe. I think that's how it's pronounced. It was found between July and October of 2001, and he definitely, like, was in the area because he was stationed at Lewis at the time. Mm -hmm. And there was a couple, like, double homicides that happened there, and they weren't really sure Mm -hmm. if they could be connected to him. There was a Jane Doe in Lewis County that they think may have been his. And interestingly enough, in Boca Raton, Florida, they think there were three victims. One was Randy Ann Gornerberg. She was 52. She was abducted at a shopping center. And then she was shot and killed and like left. And then there was a mother and a son, Nancy and Joey, that also were abducted and killed similarly. And there was a story in the book you can read where like a mother and a daughter. This is something 2007. So Keys has a daughter at this point in time. Mm-hmm. They say that he abducted them and then, for some reason, let them go. Another one of his supposed victims was a 48-year-old. She was a drug addict and a sex worker. Her name was Deborah Feldman. And she's the only other one that they kind of were like, maybe for sure her. Mm -hmm. Because when they asked him about her, he like started like rubbing his legs and he was he said something like i'm not ready to talk about her yet mm-hmm. that's actually what he says i don't want to talk about her yet and they were like okay and so she was in new jersey and you have to realize that like keys would if some like in new jersey keys had places in new york so he would be going to new york mm-hmm. and then he would just disappear for a couple of days yeah and then there's a few more so madison scott She was in British Columbia. We know about Bill and Lorraine. And then we know about Samantha. Mm -hmm. And then on February 15th, 2012, Jimmy Tidweiler, who was an electrician in Mountain Enterprise, Texas, went missing. And then he was found dead the next day. Interesting enough, Murder isn't the only crime Israel Keyes ever committed. He actually Mm. robbed a bank while in Texas. In fact, when they (laughs) discovered things in his car, the money that they found in Mm. his car... With, like, the ink stuff, right? From the bank, yeah. Yeah, from the bank robbery. And this is how we know he was really good at countermeasures. He actually set a fire. Like, he figured out that this town that he was going to rob the bank at only had like a certain amount of emergency responders. Mm-hmm. So he set a fire just enough out of the way that all of the police and fire would go out to this fire. And then he came and robbed the bank. Wow. Yeah. So how they're kind of figuring all of these people out is they're really looking into missing persons. They're looking into the missing persons in areas where they know he has been. They actually come up with several names. They come up with 11 teenagers, 10 sm- like smaller children, mm-hmm. and then two children that are missing from his photos that were like a year old. Oh. And 
one of the things that he said early on is that, like, I don't mess with kids, but I don't fucking believe him. Fuck no. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe him. So they actually had him interviewed by a forensic psychologist by the name of Dr. Donald Roche. And this is kind of like where we get the history of him. So he was born on January 7th, 19th. This is so weird. We're like (laughs) two and a half hours into there were two an hour and a half into this thing or two hours into this thing. And I'm just telling you about the murder. This is not how we do things normally. No, no. Normally this is the first. But he was born on January 7th, 1978. His parents, Heidi, I believe it's pronounced Heckinson. And then his dad, John Jeff Keys. John goes by Jeff. Mm-hmm. That's how he'll be referred to. They met in Los Angeles, but they weren't like the Los Angelesy couple. They were definitely loners. They kept to themselves. They were considered, quote unquote, mature for their age, or at least she was. Mm-hmm. They met as teenagers. They were Mormons. And they got married at the age of 21, 22. Mm-hmm. They were described as wholesome, God-fearing people. But they really wanted to raise their kids in nature. So they moved to Utah when they get married. And they have their first kid in 1976, which is our, our country's bicentennial. So they named their daughter America. Oh, okay. They would go on to have nine children. Whoa. Israel would be the second of their children. Whoa. And all of their children were born at home. And Jeff did the delivering because quote-unquote, he don't like doctors. Oh. He actually hated them. When they were in Utah, they were, they were becoming Utah Mormons, but they were also becoming very, like, isolated. And that's not the mm-hmm. culture there. Like, the cultures, if you're part of the right. Mormon church, you, yeah, everybody knows everybody, and y'all very friendly. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. not what was happening. And so neighbors actually were, like, calling the cops because they were like, this family has these two kids, and we never see them. They're never allowed out. They just, mm. they're just to themselves. So they got pissed and they packed up and they moved to Washington and they saved their money and they bought 160 acres on top of a mountain in Colville. Damn. Yeah, I know it's a lot. And Colville, Washington, because it was cheap. And it was also on a mountain. Like, kind of mountain prices are a lot less because they're hard to like. It's just a lot of isolated land. That's all I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah, my ex's parents have like property in the mountains and like getting a contractor or getting someone to come out and do an an inspection to build is insane. So land is cheap in them there mountains. People who knew who knew the keys said that Heidi and Jeff loved their children. But like many big families who are not so well off and live off the land they had a big family so that they could spread the load many hands make work light type shit they didn't have tvs radios computers they didn't have like a landline like i know this was like you know the 70s 80s and 90s they didn't have a landline and when they learned to read it was of the bible and they were required to memorize scripture and so they were they were that family when they moved to Washington, they did leave Mormonism. I, I don't really know, I guess, Protestantism. But it was said that Israel was loved by his siblings and that all eight of them <laughs> loved Israel. And he was great. He was their leader. You know, he was the oldest male child. Heidi was like, up until they had like, 
I think up until like probably their seventh kid, they lived in a one bedroom house. Oh, God. Because Jeff was like, if God wants us to have a house, God will give us a house. But like, Jeff, God gave you the trees. Build the damn house. Right. So when they moved to Washington very shortly after, they converted to a church called ARC. And ARC was a militia-based, white supremacy, anti-Semitic church. Lovely. Right. They, they, they are the goods of people. No, they're not good peoples. Nope, nope. And this is where Israel made his first friends outside of his siblings in this church. And they would be, oh my God, Chevy and Kenny Kehoe. And these boys were fucking trouble. Mm. They would go around stealing things. They would steal guns and sell them on the black market. <gasps> they thought it was really fucking funny to like preach their race war shit. And they would... Basically, they started to, like, set fires, you know, the homicidal triad, and hurt animals. In fact, I guess, like, there's a story where, like, Keys had a sister, and basically, like, she had a cat that kept getting into the trash can, so he, like, told Mm -hmm. her that if she didn't keep her cat under control, he was gonna shoot her. (gasps) And he did. He tied her to a tree in the woods and shot her in the stomach. And then they all, oh. all the boys stood around and laughed as the cat <gasps> ran around. Yeah, no, they were fucking psychopaths. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Ew. Yeah, evil. no, it, it was, they, they're evil. Yeah, oh, my God. They would go around and, like, break into people's homes and either just, like, steal things, ransack it. They would move things around, which... I totally get because I used to do that with one of the people I worked with. I used to move shit around in his office to see if you noticed and it was funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's like a good way of doing that. <laughs> I had consent. Um, <laughs> sometimes they would like wait till these people got home and then like jump out and scare the fuck out of them. Like, could you imagine like putting your groceries away and a kid popped out of your pantry? Oh my God. It'd be terrifying. <laughs> but as time would go on, he would bond with these boys. They were his homies. But the Keys kids, slowly started to rebel against church. And his sister actually left the church and they wrote this whole like letter of excommunication for her leaving this church, his sister Amber Rose. And so he's also started to like drift away. And this would lead him into a different life. And Keys actually would join the military. How? I don't fucking know. Because dude did not have a birth certificate or a social security number. What the fuck? I'm like, how did he get a driver's license? Just saying. Th- yeah, that's... Twas a different time. <laughs> he would go to Fort Hood Ooh. and be there for a bit. He was then stationed overseas for a bit. And he actually... They think that he was involved in some crime some essay charges in Egypt because there was something happened when he, because he would, where he was stationed, he would like go there often, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. In the army, our fresh faced don't know anything about culture. Israel learned about drugs and alcohol and really anything. Actually, it seems really weird because like when they, when they started talking to his like army buddies, they were like, he didn't know anything. They're like, they're like, he didn't even know who Nirvana was. And this is like mm-hmm. 98. And it's mm-hmm. like, you better fucking know who Nirvana is in 98. <laughs> you know, like he didn't know anything. And so they just kind of were like, here, try this. Here, try that. Do this. Do that. We Let's have the whole like world 
and expose yeah. him to. Yeah. And he tried LSD a couple of times. Not a big fan because it didn't really do that much for him. He just hallucinated voices or whatever, whatever. But <laughs> casual. <laughs> I like that I so downplay that he just did that. So then he really liked the cocaine. Mm. Super loved the cocaine. In fact, he liked it so much. He sometimes spent like $100 a day on coke. What a waste of money. What a waste of money on this. Not that I know because I've never done it, but I'm just saying like, from what you no. read to me about it. Yeah, literally. No. I say this all the time. When people talk about Coke, they're like, you know, you talk about people in the party scene. They're like, oh, I do Coke. And it's like, dude, you're only high for like maybe an hour. And it costs you for that hour, a hundred bucks, 80 bucks. I could also go smoke. Maybe not be the same high, mm-hmm. but I still feel good. And I didn't spend a hundred dollars <laughs> to do it. Also, I have sinus yeah. issues. Yeah. I do and too. that would just destroy that shit. But yeah, so he got into the coke. He actually ended up getting a DUI. But a lot of dudes in the military <laughs> get blackout drunk and get DUIs. It's almost like Don't kind of a do rite it. of passage. Don't do it. But yeah, right, no, no. it's ridiculous. You should definitely so not. Many. But like, it's so common. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's horrible. He decided, you know what? I don't like being that far from home when he could move duty stations. He chose to go to Fort Lewis, mm-hmm. which is quite lovely. And he was up there. And mind you, this whole time that he's in there, he's engaged to this girl that he met back in the Dizay. Mm-hmm. And she's from Colville. We don't know her name. She wants to stay private. That's fine. They were like church loves. Gotcha. She thought he was a virgin. He wasn't. Mm. Because, yeah, no, he wasn't. I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) And she was, and they were saving themselves for marriage, but he was also going online and like, you know, finding other women. And he found this woman by the name of Tammy. She lived on a reservation. She was half indigenous, half black, which is so different from what his parents basically tried to indoctrinate him into believing. Mm Mm-hmm. That was when they, when I read the book, I was like, oh, I figured he was going to be one of those white supremacists who were just, I'm not a white supremacist anymore, but like probably deep down. Apparently that didn't stick. It's like weird when like suddenly the serial killer has like one redeeming quality. You're like, oh, he wasn't a racist. He he was (laughs) raised by racists, but he wasn't a racist. Yeah. So he's engaged to this girl. He meets Tammy. He starts having sex with Tammy because she lives like, not far from him and wouldn't you know tammy eight weeks in gets knocked up he's still with his like other girl fiance thing yeah Mm -hmm. he puts a ring on it like more to make it whatever because he tells tammy when she's like she's like i love you i want to have your baby he's like let's not and Mm -hmm. he wanted her to have an abortion and she was like devastated about this time basically he's gonna get out of the army soon this is like This is like early 2001 when this is happening. So Keyes is like still talking to his girl. His girl is like had come to visit and he wouldn't let her meet any of his like army friends. Like Mm -hmm. he refused to let her. Mm -hmm. Well, because they're probably going to be like, this isn't Tammy. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like that's not your girlfriend. Yeah. And so basically they're together for a bit, but ultimately he tells her that he's not a virgin and that he has knocked up some chick. And she was like, I I think maybe we should see other people. 
And so he gets out of, in July of 2001, he gets out of the military and he moves in with Tammy. He basically moves to the reservation with her and has to kind of like, to get a job, he has to use his connection to Tammy. And, you know, they're together. And while like she's pregnant, he starts drinking really fucking heavy. In fact, she's, she says when interviewed, that at this point in time, he was drinking a bottle of wine, a fifth of Jim Bean, and a six-pack of beer every night. Whoa. Yeah. On October 31st of 2001, their daughter is born. Uh, we don't know the daughter's name, and I didn't even try. Please don't. Please don't look up no. this young girl. I mean, she's an ad- I think she's an adult now. She would be an adult now. But still, don't but do still, it. still, leave her alone. Don't do it. Yeah. Let her live the life that she can live now because that the she trauma deserves. she must have. Yeah, she yeah. deserves. She didn't pick her dad. No. So that happens. And at the same time, 13 days, basically 13 days later, his dad dies. Mm-hmm. He goes out for the funeral. And Tammy is like, it was really interesting because. Jeff basically got sick. They were traveling and he got sick and he wouldn't go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. They were traveling by train because they, they're Amish and they don't believe in flying. And so he got sick and they literally kick him off the train and he refuses to get help. And then he just dies. There's not an obituary. There's not a death certificate. There's nothing for this man. I mean, Keyes' family is like he's dead. So there's cooperation there. Other than that, Tammy was like, I didn't really talk to him about it because he didn't want to talk to him about it. Tammy then gets really sick and she actually is diagnosed with uterine cancer and she has to have a hysterectomy. And like, she basically almost died type situation. Mm. And while this is happening, like keys is like, this is in 2002 at this point, we flash forward to 2002. Keys is like taking care of Tammy. He's taking care of their daughter. He's taking care of the house. He's working. Keys loves control. So like, he totally didn't mind cleaning the whole house because it was his way of controlling things. And, you know, at this point, Keys becomes a full-time dad and he's taking care of the baby and Tammy is like not doing well and she's self-medicating and she's drinking and, and he's just like, I can't do this anymore. And basically in 2004, he moves out. And in 2005, he goes on a dating online dating app or online dating site and meets a woman by the name of Kimberly Anderson, who we know as the girlfriend he lives with Mm -hmm. in Alaska. And they start dating. Tammy is just devastated by this. And he took he took the bait like he took their daughter because she she couldn't take care of her because she was sick. And she was I think what it was is like the worse that she was getting health-wise, the more she was self-medicating and the more he just couldn't be around it. So that's why he left. Keys tells Tammy, hey, Kimberly's got a job. She's moving to Alaska. I'm going to move with her. That's what's going to happen. And Tammy is just devastated, but she like, she gets a job. She sobers up and she takes him to fucking court. And she actually is really surprised because when she does this, Keys is like, what the fuck ever? She's better now. And he basically is like, look, I'm not going to fight you. He's like, I want to go more than I want to stay. And basically, he gives up custody of his daughter to Tammy for, for a while. And then something happens later down the road 
where he actually goes and gets custody because she relapses. Mm-hmm. But she said that on March 1st of 2007, she remembers like how devastated she was watching him drive away for the, the last time and just being like, I'm not fighting over this is what he was saying. He didn't move directly to Alaska. He actually traveled around California, which creeps me out. <laughs> he would go and do like odd jobs. Like odd, he was in Oakland, Anaheim, San Diego, Martinez, which is really close to me. <laughs> Napa. He was in Santa Rosa. He was all over at Long Beach, Los Angeles. He also was in Seattle. He went into Mexico during this time. And then he eventually ended up in Alaska with Kim. And just to kind of like speed this up, because I feel like this is a very long episode. (laughs) Keys actually, at one point in time, tries to escape while he's in court. Mm -hmm. He tries to make a run for it. Mm -hmm. And they tase him. And (laughs) it said that when, right, it says that when he was tased, his eyes lit up. Like he was super excited. Like he liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. He's a sick fuck, this man. Yeah, no, he he's bad news bears. Yeah, he gets tased and his eyes lit up with ecstasy is what the book says. Oh my god, puke. Yuck. Right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm done now. <laughs> this whole time they're like, while they're trying to get more stuff out of him, because they keep having interviews, they keep talking with him, they kind of go through and they look and they find the house that the couriers were in. And unfortunately, the house had been sold in the interim between the time that he did this and then confessed to it. And they had torn down the house because it was had been abandoned for years. And the owners just thought like animals had crawled into the basement and died. So they demolished the whole house and then moved everything to a landfill. Mm. It looked like a, a pile of trash. And if you were like, oh, my God, it smells. And it's been like vacant for years. And you were just like an investor for the land. You're j- they just tore it down. And so they actually had to, like, go look for their bodies in landfills. Horrible. And they did not find them. Mm. Now, we're getting closer to the end, because Israel, like, he was giving up stuff. For sure, he was giving up stuff. But they start talking to him about his kind of earliest crime against another human being. And he talks about, basically... In the book, they go into detail, but the wiki page actually talked about it. Like, I had spent like an hour going through my book back and forth trying to find this particular section. And Mm -hmm. if I had just clicked on adulthood, it would have told me on the wiki page. In the summer of either, he could remember between, it was either 97 or 98, he was on the Deschutes River in Oregon and he basically abducted a girl who had like dirty blonde hair and he took her to a bathroom and he's very Mm. like he talks about it and he like ties her up and he actually like ties her to a toilet Mm. oh my god and he he describes it it's not one of those it's not a porta potty it was like when you go to like a rest area and there's that like gross bathroom Yeah. yeah and he basically like he takes her there and he rapes her and then he lets her go. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which is super weird because he could have gotten caught. Mm-hmm. 
But he, ba- he like choked her. He did all his kind of usual things. And he basically told her if she ever told anyone, he'd kill her. And so she was really scared. And I mean, this is a lot of women don't report when they've been. I mean, yeah. this, had, this was super tragic. I hope since this has happened, like she's, she's gotten help. Like she's talked to someone about this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he let her go. It was just kind of like, to me, it was so weird. If someone had been going by, because it's like a busy river, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so weird because it's so out in the open and it's so right. out of his control. Like, that's the thing. If she had screamed loud, if she had, you know, had friends who came and looked for her, like, he could have been caught so much sooner. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for me to think that Israel Keys gave up so much control. Yeah. And I think this kind of changed how he did things unfortunately yeah so they interview israel over the next few months so it's basically he's arrested in march they question him he tells them lots of stories we start talking about remember his good friend chevy kehoe Mm -hmm. that horrible person Mm -hmm. he actually is involved he's the guy Remember when we t- did Timothy McVeigh and there's mm-hmm. the guy that was like the friend who was like <gasps> helped plan it? It's this dude. Oh my God. Just what like. What the fuck? With two. The connections with two. Right. His mom is a Koreshian and Timothy McVeigh did the Oklahoma City bombing because of Waco. And Israel Key's essentially best friend growing up is like friends with Timothy McVeigh and helped plan the Oklahoma City bombing? Insane how small the world is. Just poof. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I really feel like, though, I really hope and pray that the white supremacy movement is so small that everyone just kind of knows each other. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. Be very minute. Be almost non-existent. (laughs) Right. Like, don't hate someone because of just who they are. That's a dumb reason to hate someone. Yep. So Keys is like connected to this. Mm-hmm. And he can kind of be like, yeah, no, that that dude kind of was, he was definitely involved because of the fact that Israel Keys and this dude used to make pipe bombs and blow shit up together. Wow. I'm just saying. So mm-hmm. my mind, yes, like Tara, fucking blown because his mom is a Koreshian and his best friend blew that up. Throughout this whole process, you you kind of find out that he idolized people like the Unabomber, he, uh, his hero, <coughs> gagged me, was Ted Bundy. Like, Ugh. let's never, ever describe someone as the hero. No. Obviously, this man was not mentally well. And throughout his imprisonment, they kept saying, like, you cannot give him anything sharp. Like, he wasn't even supposed to have pencils. Okay, yeah. And that's because he was suicidal because he, we knew he wanted to die. Like that was his stipulation was, mm-hmm. you know? So on December 1st, 2012, just after 10 PM, he committed suicide with a razor and a noose. I think the way he did it was he slit his wrists and then he like tied himself so that he couldn't like, call for help or something like that i'm I'm not quite sure but he also drew a bunch he drew 12 skulls in his own blood so he drew them and then underneath it he wrote in his blood we were one underneath it 
And so this is why people think he only had, they like know of 11 and they think he was 12. But I honestly Mm -hmm. like think everything Israel does is like, it's shadowy. So he's like, here's this story. There's so Mm -hmm. many others like it. Yeah. I'm thinking if he could have killed hundreds and we would never have known because the way he traveled. Mm Mm-hmm. And that kind of like really ends the life of Israel Keys. And he left a lot more, he left a lot more puzzles than, well, I think we'll ever be able to solve. Yeah. And who knows, maybe like one day we will uncover all of his kill kits and maybe there'll be a journal in one of them or some shit. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's one in Alaska they haven't found that contains something like that, but. Very possible. And I mean, that's the thing. So if you're out in the wilderness and you dig up a orange Home Depot bucket, because they Don't even like, he told them where one was. He <laughs> yeah. told them where several of them were and they yeah. like went and found them. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, he didn't write these down. He just had these in his me- in his head, like where right. all of these were. Yeah. If, so if you're out in the wilderness and you find something like that, please call the police and let them know that you have found one of Israel Key's caches so that mm-hmm. we can solve more crimes. But, yeah, this man, like, devastated the country, and his whole life is just this, like, one terrible thing after the other. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people go, oh, like, people, like, sexual sadists, like, they never had a chance because, like, whatever, whatever. But, like, he did. He had a chance. Like, he got out of that, like, lifestyle of supremacy, like, the white supremacy. He got out of that kind of abusive growing up. He got into the army. He got a wife. He got essentially a wife and kid twice. Mm -hmm. Kim was, they were together a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got together in 2005 and he got caught in 2012. So like, that's a significant amount of time. And yeah, you know, he had every chance of just being a normal person and he chose to give in to those horrible side of him. So Mm -hmm. it's just, I'm going to say I'm super glad we finally can check him off our list because Tara and I have tried to do this like 12 times and it's mm-hmm. never, and we can never bring ourselves to do it. The book is really good. It's by yes. Maureen Callahan and it's called American Predator. I loved it. If you have book of the month club, it was the book of the month in July of 2019. Mm-hmm. It was one of those. Check it out. It's a good book and it's on the audiobook and everything. It's a good book. If you want to know a lot of the story and you don't want to like read a list of facts, you want to read a story, this is the book for you. I kind of hope she like does deep dives into a lot of stories and kind of, I wouldn't mind reading more books like this. Yeah, for sure. So thank God we are done with Israel Keys and we do not have to talk about him any longer. No. All right. I was like, I totally forgot at this point because I was just I was so like, into you. the story. My bad. All right. Well, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know your thoughts on socials about this case. And with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.